Welcome to Link Educate, a professional development series featuring interviews with educators and students in the supply chain, where we discuss how supply chain and logistics has changed in terms of recruiting, upskilling, training, and more. So let's link into our next conversation now. with these lovely powerhouse supply chain professors to discuss what companies should be doing in terms of hiring, training, retraining, and upskilling supply chain professionals, as well as collaborating with local colleges and universities to help promote the supply chain field and network with incoming talent. So let's, before we begin, let's meet these panelists. First up, we have Dr. Justin Goldston, a professor of project and supply chain management at Penn State University, where his research focuses on blending the practices of supply chain management emerging technologies and sustainability to create positive global change. Justin is a research faculty affiliate for the Center for, uh, for the Business of Sustainability at the Schmiel College of Business at Penn State, as well as an active contributing faculty member to the Sustainability Institute at Penn State. We have Dr. Rodney Thomas, Director of the Undergraduate Supply Chain Management Program and an Associate Professor of Supply Chain Management in the Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. His research interests focus on behavioral aspects of supply chain management and has consulted with numerous companies on strategic retail or supply chain management projects. We have Dr. Ava Ponce, Director of the Research Area for Omnichannel Distribution Strategies and Director of the Omnichannel, Ed Omnichannel Education Lab at the MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics. Her current research focuses on the design of omnichannel distribution strategies that integrate online and offline channels to help retailers and manufacturers understand how e-commerce growth and mobile devices are affecting and transforming their supply chains. She also leads research initiatives on circular supply chains, reverse logistics, and closed loop supply chains, and is the executive director of the MITx MicroMasters program in supply chain management. And last but not least, we have Dr. Terry Esper, Associate Professor of Logistics in the Marketing and Logistics Department at the Ohio State University Fisher College of Business. In addition to his full-time academic activities at Ohio State, he sits on the Board of Directors of the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, among other organizations. He has published several articles on issues associated with retail, logistics, and supply chain management strategy in leading academic and managerial, managerial outlets and was involved in transportation infrastructure research for the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Federal Highway Administration. As you can tell, I was a little out of breath. These guys have been doing so many things. I'm so excited to have everybody on the panel today. <laughs> so just a reminder to our wonderful audience, submit your questions via the Q&A console on your screen at any time throughout the presentation. And we do have some polls sprinkled in throughout the discussion. So in advance, we thank you for your participation for those. So let's first, first of all, welcome everybody to our panel today. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Um, Thank you, Mike. No. Of course. So let's first talk future of education. As you can see from the picture on this presentation slide, it's kind of indicative of what everyone was experiencing this past year, whether you're a student, a professor, or a parent. Um, most everyone has been and will probably continue to be working from home and learning from home. So our discussion today is going to talk about how this impacts the future of education in the supply chain industry. So before we get to the next polls question, which is the next slide, I kind of wanted to ask the group, um, what does the future of school from home and eventually work from home look like for the supply chain industry? 
Uh, Terry, I'm going to kind of toss things over to you first. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and good afternoon, everyone. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, this uh, the, the pandemic and really the pivoting to the online uh, distance-based education platform uh, as a result of COVID-19 has really changed things. And I think we're going to see these changes be quite far-reaching and long-lasting. The fact that we now in this uh, model really suggests that we have gotten kind of comfy, if you will, with the way things are. And I think the reverberations of this learning model are going to uh, be quite significant. You know, one of the things that we have now talked about uh, at Ohio State is, you know, where do we go from here? The reality is that I don't quite think that we can go back to education the way we used to. Um, so now we're looking at more of blended uh, formats in terms of uh, education, infusing much more of the online with the uh, in-person education. Um, and we have a group of students now that have gotten quite comfortable with learning in a distance-based uh, orientation. And I think that's going to, uh, to the point that, of course, we're trying to make here, transfer into what they might expect in the work environment and how they might might be comfortable working in more of those non-traditional work settings that might involve working from home just as they have gotten comfortable learning from home. And so um, it's going to be interesting to watch play out. Of course, this is all something that we are learning uh, as we go. But I do believe that the long-term ramifications, again, and I think we have changed the model of what it means to educate supply chain talent and what it's ultimately going to mean to onboard new supply chain talent. Perfect. So what do you think young professionals are looking to gain by entering the supply chain industry? I know, Justin, when we've had you on our Link Lives, we've talked about this new normal, and you mentioned in our previous calls um, that you don't like the term, the new normal. So when it comes to, you know, these young professionals, what do you think that looks like as they enter the supply chain industry? So... So thank you for that, and you are correct. I do not, I did not like that term, the new normal, back in back in March of last year. But we are. This is the new normal, and and whenever we started, whenever we transitioned, you know, mid semester, it was mid semester whenever we transitioned to to fully on fully online, and you know, the way in which the way in which I I told students is, I said, this is the future of work, you know. So they're, you know, working from home, I said, that's the future. And I always try, and I, like I say time and time again, I try to find the silver lining in everything. And I say, you know, you're normally going to commute an hour each way to work, but now, you know, you have, you have two hours of your day to, to do what you will <laughs> with your life, or you can be more productive, you know? So so I think that I think that this has this has kind of proven a thesis that you that you can be more productive from home and working from home, um, and 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 I just try to I try to bring back you know that you know yes you're learning you're learning from home yes you're able to collaborate using these new tools you know we had to pivot and a, a lot of people had to innovate because because of of the new of the new work environments of the new learning environments, you know so. I think I think that I think that there were a lot of good things that came out that that came out of this pandemic. Of course, there were a lot of bad things, but there were some good things that came out of this pandemic. And I think that you know, once you explain that to the students, then they actually understand it. So I think that 
in my opinion, this is just my thoughts. I think that they're, I think that they're, they've grown to, they've grown to accept it. They've grown to adopt it. Um, I know that I've had some peers that, you know, they have high school age students and, you know, <laughs> they're terrified because it was a mess. It was, it was a mess and within it because those, we, we have experience teaching in the blended environment, right? As, as, as university instructors and professors, but those, elementary school teachers, those high school teachers, they had, I mean, they had to do a lot of, a lot of learning like on the fly. So I commend, those are the real heroes, you know, those are the real heroes in terms of education. And, 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 yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to kind of, you know, get, get those elementary school students, middle school students, high school students to kind of embrace this, this new, see, I even said it, the new normal. I say it. I, say it. <laughs> I was waiting to see if you were going to say it. I you on it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and, and I think that's really, that's really true. Cause you know, I have elementary school kids and, and it's been very enlightening to see how they've pivoted. And then you talk to the older, older, uh, school-aged kids, you know, that are in college. And then you talk to professors that are teaching them and they've kind of adapted in different ways. And so it's kind of interesting to see how the different levels, um, kind of react to that. I think we're going to jump to our first poll question. Um, so those in the audience, um, please get your answers in. Is your company working with local colleges and universities to recruit new talent? Yes or no, or you will be in the future, or you don't know how or where to start. And that last one is very key because that's kind of why we're having this discussion because there's so many great programs out there, but a lot of it is yes, where do you start? How do you go about, you know, getting in touch with the university and kind of connecting with these supply chain pro professors and kind of infiltrating that kind of education into the high school, junior high level? Um, so I'll just give it a couple more seconds. But Eva, I know you, you've done some e-learning programs with through MIT. I know that's stuff that you guys have worked on. What is kind of your take on, on recruiting new talent? Sure. Thank you for the question, Marina. So yes, we we I I would say for that I really encourage companies to to reach out to universities. At MIT, we have professional development manager people. They are responsible for career and professional development. They are responsible to be in touch with our employer employers and many different companies from different industries in order to put them in touch, um, facilitate interviews and facilitate and they would match in between the uh, our SEM master's degree candidates with the company's need. So I really encourage companies to be in touch with the different SEM uh, programs, master's degree programs, credentials, because we are educating, educating these supply chain professionals um, and they are going to be the future for, for all of us. So it's a good way and it's a win-win for both, for companies and universities and organizations. I, I totally agree. Let's check out these results and see where people are. Okay, so 50% are currently working with local colleges and universities. 20.8% are saying no, um, along with 20.8% working in the future. But that 8.3%, you don't know how or where to start. I mean, to my panelists, is this a surprising number to you? Is this is this surprising? Definitely, I think we need to work on this 8% in order to better communicate how to reach out to us, of, of course. 
But uh, yeah, definitely there are more than 50% that already knows about this opportunity, which is kind of promising, isn't it? I agree. Rod, did you have something to add? I, I was just going to say, most colleges of business have those resources for you. Reach out to the Career Center or the Professional Development Center. We have dedicated staff. That's their whole job is to link up students with employers. So they're there to help you, support you. They will get your jobs posted. They will help you query our databases to find students that are best fit for you. They'll schedule interviews. So there are HR professionals, if you will, in College of Business that are there to help you with those recruiting services. So I, I would encourage you to take advantage of it as much as you can. It's fascinating. Yeah, you know, the, the, the one thing, that. Marina, if I can add to that, um, sure. I think another big, big part of this is particularly within supply chain, maybe more than what I've seen in other disciplines. But uh, the reality is that the recruiting process for really the top talent, I mean, it starts in that sophomore year almost, uh, especially if we're talking undergraduate students. And so what I'm finding is that the, the, the really, you know, really top notch students, by the time they enter into their senior year, they're already dedicated to companies. In fact, I was just meeting on yesterday with a group of our students here at Ohio State, and they're already set. They're going to Amazon and they're going to Cisco. And, you know, these students are already uh, assigned to companies and they've been uh, they, they've been aware of the jobs that they were going to be placed at um, going into the senior year. And so what that means is uh, for companies that are waiting to kind of see what the, 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 the pick is going to look like or what the roster looks like for those seniors that are graduating, most of those students will have already been hired and dedicated. And in most cases, that relationship between that student and that company starts with an internship. And so I think the importance of partnering with these programs is not so much about hiring the students on the back end, although that's the ultimate goal. But what we're mm -hmm. finding is that a lot of companies are really trying to develop those relationships very early on. And especially because supply chain is such an experiential learning based discipline where really getting your hands dirty in the work is so important. So actually, by the time a lot of our students are seniors, they're actually in many cases doing work on behalf of the company that they're working for. They're playing around with data from that company or they're learning things that are applying to their jobs that they're going to really that senior year is almost like a on onboarding almost of that student uh, to prepare for the job. So again, I think I can't stress enough how important it is to leverage those resources that Rodney talked about, because uh, those resources are not only available to help you with hiring students, but also to develop relationships with students early on in their careers so that you're able to you know, evaluate whether there's a fit between you and them early on. Can I expand yeah. upon that, Terry? These internships, it's an extended interview process. And it really, it's a risk-free interview process for you. What do we traditionally know out of a 30-minute interview? We know whether somebody gives you really good canned answers. Over an internship, you see them at their best, their worst, when they have the sniffles, when there's pressure on and off. It, it makes for a better hiring decision if you, get, if you get these interns in their sophomore, junior year, and if you can get them a co-op a longer per period of time, it, it works even better. So to Terry's point, if you want the best and brightest, because there's a, there's a lot of competition out there for talent, in, get them as interns, you'll lock them down earlier and make sure they come out of those internships with offers in hand. That's when the best and brightest are, are committing to some of these top name companies that all these kids want to go work for. Yeah, yeah, and that's the one thing. I'm just very quickly. That's the one thing I always tell my students. I mean, they're freshman year. I say you're in a four-year interview. 
because these recruit these recruiters are come are coming to the professors because the professors have the front the front row seat you know to that talent and and you know at, at Penn State we have we have Amazon Web Services and Google um, sponsoring our our AI Nittany Alliance events. They're out there recruiting, right? So so I mean I think that you know the sponsor these events that is that is a that is a tremendous opportunities for these organizations to come in and collaborate with the students and see the, and see the students perform. You know we have a number of hackathons that these big organizations are are, are sponsoring, and they're just in there in the back. See, just look, just looking at this talent, you know. And and as Terry and, and Rodney said, I mean, job they're get, they're going to Google and Amazon and, and as sophomores, just like they said. So I, that's that's all these most of these big schools, you know. So, you know, I, I mean, I think that that is that is a, a big opportunity, especially within within supply chain, and and those internships are absolutely vital in my opinion. Can I say one more thing about internships as well? If you give a quality internship experience to a student, they're gonna come back and not be shy about that. Word of mouth is huge. If you wanna make an impact and jump into these talent pipelines, offer incredible internship experiences because they're gonna tell everybody and their uncle about it. And oh, by the way, if it's not a good internship experience, if they're just making copies and getting coffee for people, they're not gonna be shy about sharing those experiences either. So you have a tremendous word of mouth opportunity if you give a few kids a really good internship experience. And that's such a key point, especially with this younger generation and how vocal they are with social media. And, <laughs> and you know, you have to, companies have to utilize that to their advantage. So that's a very, very good point. Um, that kind of leads us into our next poll question. Um, you know, you guys all kind of dabbled on it a little bit, but you know, what supply chain topics is your company looking for in new talent? And this is crucial because I think a lot of students think of supply chain as like one just big overall, you know, category, not realizing that there's many different layers to being a supply chain major, so to speak. You know, you could major in finance, but still be in the supply chain industry. You can major in business and still be a part of the supply chain industry. So I think there's, you know, a lot of different topics that are pertinent to what these companies are looking for. So we have e-commerce on the channel, which is huge for obvious reasons. Um, anything with new technology solutions, transportation management, supply chain finance, warehouse management, risk management, management, sales and operations planning, strategic sourcing and procurement, sustainability, which is huge now, um, data science, data analytics, or if there's an other, if your topic is not listed, please go to the Q&A console and let us know. Um, because I think this is relevant to kind of understand where those pockets and those gaps are so that we can bring the professors and the companies together and kind of fill those gaps a little bit more and kind of help you know, get these students into the right roles. Um, and thank you for, for those that are still, the Q&A console is open, so submit your questions and when we have little breaks in between, we will address them. So let's see what these responses are. 11.8% um, for e-commerce and new technology, 5.9% for transportation management, supply chain finance. We have some for warehouse management, nobody for risk management. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a minute. 11.8% for sales and operations planning, 17 for strategic sourcing, 5.9 for sustainability, 
11.8 data science, and then other, which is not listed. So that risk management is zero. I know being in a pandemic and covering every single supply chain company that we can and all the technologies that go into it, risk management is, is, and it has to be one of those top priorities. From where you guys sit, what does this mean? So I'm really surprised about the risk management for the same reason, maybe now companies are really resilient after the pandemic. So maybe they already developed those skills. I want to comment on the warehouse management because this is a trend I have been also observing at MIT, CTL. Uh, many companies are coming um, when because of the growth of e-commerce, this is really transforming warehouses operations. They need to deliver in a, a rapid, a very fast, as a speed, um, these kind of things definitely they need for robotics, automation in the warehouses, and it's really transforming the way they are fulfill, fulfilling the online orders. So I believe this is going, and we are going to see more and more of this transformation, specifically in an area that was traditionally no changes in many years, and now it's kind of a revolution because of the e-commerce. So really surprised to see that. Positively surprised. <laughs> yeah, I I, I'm a little surprised maybe, as well. Yes, continue. I just think maybe because it's not, it's not kind of, not that it's not trending or not appealing, but you know, I don't think we never, we never really talked about you know risk management pre-COVID. You know, in my opinion, it was like one module within our supply chain management class. You know, but well, I think that I think that the pandemic kind of brought it to the forefront. But but my question, yeah, I have a question. You know, so on that poll question, to me, it's kind of all of the above, because all of this stuff works together. You know, I always look at everything from a systems thinking approach. You know, and really, if you think about it, all this, all these things are integrated. You know, and yes, you're not going to be an expert in every single one of those. But, you know, if you're knowledgeable about each one of those areas, I think that it's going to be beneficial. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's one of the issues that we have in supply chain, particularly as it relates to developing supply chain uh, curriculum and, and, and programs is, you know, there's so many topics that we can dig into and, and really talk to because supply chain management is just such a dynamic area and there are a lot of moving parts and pieces. And it depends on if your program has been more traditionally a procurement-based program or one that heavily focuses on logistics or one that focuses on operations. I mean, there's just so many things that we can, in many ways, I like to see supply chain management. I like to say that this is really more of a, a painting, if you will. And with any good painting, there's going to be a foreground, there's going to be a background. There's going to be some things that you bring to the fore. There's going to be some things that are also important, but they are in the background for the sake of the program and the particular recipe for success at that particular university. And so we, in our program here, for example, at Ohio State, we're very logistics focused. So we do pull to the forefront more of the transport, more of the warehousing, more of the, you know, network design and, you know, uh, total logistics cost reduction thinking. Uh, but we do, you know, of course, still touch on issues associated with procurement and risk management and all the others. But those are more of the background players that are important to make, ensure that students understand those concepts. But the true deep dives for us here at Ohio State uh, are going to be much more in that logistics area. And I think that's, you know, that's a part of, uh, in many ways, kind of that 
choice of the different universities that you opt to work with because every university kind of has a different flavor or a different flair in terms of what they bring to the foreground versus what's in the background. And I think when it comes to partnering with universities, there's more than just the local university, although that's great especially if any of the uh, uh, audience is in Ohio, you support the local university. But beyond that, there are some choices that I think are important to make when it comes to what's the, the emphasis at that particular university, what is their program known for in terms of the ways that they educate their students? Because all of us are struggling with that suite of things that we want to spend you know, all our time on, and we can't. So we have to make those strategic decisions of what to bring to the foreground and what to take to the background. I totally agree. Um, and, that's, and that's some good points because, I mean, those are things that we all need to keep in mind when we get to those stages, and those are things that not everybody thinks of immediately. Um, we are going to switch gears and talk about the future of student because, as we all know, um, that has completely become something that has never become. You know, I don't know if kids ever coming home with their Chromebooks and learning from desks at home or from their kitchen tables or from their couch. Um, it's kind of opened up a whole new way of learning. Um, so the future of students. So what, what should companies be doing to attract talent? Um, Eva, I'm going to toss this one over to you. I know that we have talked about things like, you know, on our side of the fence, we've talked about things like diversity and inclusion and environmental and sustainability, because those are important topics to students and to the youth. So Eva, if you can kind of tell them what are some other things that we need to keep in mind? So this is a, a great point, uh, what you bring now, Marina. Um, I think we need to design programs that include both access opportunity, and for that, online education definitely is open doors to, to anyone from anywhere, and is really helping to democratize knowledge, the credentials, or the online massive program that is our open enrollment is a great way to, to open this knowledge to anyone from anywhere. And also, we need to, to combine this with educational opportunities that try to bring people from very different backgrounds, from many different countries because at the end supply chain is a global field um, we need also these global teams to to manage uh, the challenges and the opportunities that we have in, in supply chains so I would say that the combination of uh, on demand that is super flexible, affordable, and can reach many people at the same time with probably a hybrid problem, uh, programs, uh, programs that also combine uh, in-person education, that also combine this live synchronous education. Because based on our experience at MITCTL, we have been delivering in this massive program since 2015, and we truly believe that it's very effective for delivering certain contents. For instance, if you are going to explain the uh, EOQ model, it's great because you can students can work by themselves, study the question, and apply to many pro problems and get immediate feedback. But de definitely, if you need to discuss some more complex cases, um, bring discussions and bring things that are not black or white, then my experience is this in-person discussion, interaction with the peers and the students and the professors 
is also uh, adding a lot of values. So I, I definitely see this combination of different formats, of different modes, um, also see the powerful of the online on-demand education here, yeah. Perfect, I think we're gonna switch to a poll, another poll really quick um, that talks about what, what is skills is your company looking for in new talent? So this is different, whoops, I apologize for that. I hit something, good old technology, you know? Um, that talks about what kinds of things is your company looking for? You know how you have all this new talent, you're making the connections with the universities. What are some things that you're looking for? Are you looking for those that have good communication skills? Um, do they need the, the, the actual degree? Do they need experience? Like we've talked about the internships from earlier. Do they need organizational skills of some kind if they're gonna become a leader or a manager or a director, whether it's on the floor or in the fleet, whatever the case is, all of the above or none of the above. And I think this is important to kind of understand where those gaps are that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, we also talked about with the future of supply chain education and what that looks like, you know, the different formats of teaching and what that looks like. Justin, if you kind of wanna bring us a little bit of insight while, while people get this poll going, what does the future of supply chain education look like? I think the future of supply chain education, it, it, looks, it looks more uh, to, to collaborate with the industry. Um, I know that at Penn State, Penn State is a research-based institution, you know, in terms of, you know, where it comes from supply chain management. Um, but, but one thing that I'm looking to do is I'm looking to bring in organizations to come to speak with the students you know, to, to talk about, you know, those topics. I just, I just had, I just had the vice president of Levi's come in and speak with my supply chain class a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've had a number of startups uh, come and speak with my class. I've had blockchain startups come, you know, I can't avoid, you know, I can't avoid blockchain come in and speak with my class. Um, AI startups come in because I mean, in my opinion, that's the future that we're going to integrate those technologies within, within, uh, within higher education. Um, I have, um, one of my one of my close peers, Sherry Heinish, she's actually coming to speak at another class, um, a graduate course at Georgetown uh, next week. You know, <laughs> I'm biased, but I mean that's one of the, that's one of the leaders within the supply chain space, and who better to come speak with students to talk about the future than Sherry Heinish? You know, I love so, Sherry. We've had Sherry on our shows before. She's been a part of our program. She's fantastic. Yeah. So so that's what that's what I look to do. You know, I look to bring in those those titans of supply chain, if you will, to to kind of blend to kind of blend what they're learning in in the books with what's going on in the industry. So I think that you know that practical that practical collaboration, that blending of bringing of bringing you know theory with practice, I think that's going to be very vital um, as we as we progress within within higher education and supply chain management. I, I think the other thing you're going to see. We've always traditionally had face-to-face -face classes. All these programs on here have had 100% online courses. I know in the Walton College here in Arkansas, we have a lot of hybrid classes, 50-50. I think what you're gonna see in the future is almost like an omni-channel format, where mm -hmm. they don't just sign up for just face-to-face -face for the whole semester or just online. Maybe one week because of their schedule, they'll be there face to face. Another time they gotta hit a mm -hmm. conference or an interview, that'll be purely online, but I think these different customer segments, if you will, are going to want to buy our educational services differently week to week, and we're going to have to figure out how to be flexible to accommodate that. So instead of omni-channel, 
like we would think of with a retailer. It's Bill Hargrave coined this term omni-education. Um, and I, I think that you'll see that on the horizon too. There's gonna be more flexibility built into that, much like we had to do during the pandemic, whether we were face-to-face -face or online. Right. I love I, that. I, and I think I just, sorry, continue. So I, I fully agree with, with your approach about the omni education. I, I totally in with that. I think it's this combination of different formats and options, not only at a course level, also at a program level. So we will see part of programs that will be fully online first and then fully in person or a combination, the flip classes. So at all levels, not only at course level, at a program level, see this only education and different formats. What I wanted to add here is that as educators, I think we also need to face the challenge of because the pandemic at the end demonstrate that we can also teach from home to to our students. However, uh, when we are back to campus now with a kind of a new normality or with, whatever we want to call that, we need to, to think about which will be the best format for specific contents, because there are specific contents mm -hmm. that maybe it's better to deliver online in an on-demand mode, but there are other contents and other methodologies that require this in-person interaction. So I think as educators, we will be facing the challenge of as retailers are doing now, which one is the in-person experience I want to provide to my customer. Same thing, which is the in-person experience mm -hmm. we need to provide to our learners, and which one is going to be the best for this online on-demand experience. And this is going to be a, a great challenge and opportunity for educators, definitely, in the future. Well, and here, this, these poll results kind of allude to what we were talking about before. I know, Terry and Brad, you were both talking about internships before. Um, and supply chain experience is, is the number one skill that folks are looking for in their new talent, along with all of the above, which I was hoping would kind of be the case. But um, we also had somebody submit in the Q&A console that they're also looking for those who have law degrees, which I find interesting because I think depending on where they fit into the supply chain sector, that I could see how that could be important, especially if you're talking about things like risk, regulations, um, just kind of staying on top of stuff like that. So I think that was very interesting stuff. We do have another slide that's part of this section and I have to, I want to try to watch our time and make sure we get get a, get those Q and A's at the end. Um, so I love this question. We teased this earlier in our social media accounts this morning, but how do you see your employees learning in the next five, 10 years? And I think this kind of goes back to what you were talking about, that Omni, the Omni student, the hybrid student, the, the student who can learn from home, they can learn from in class, they kind of learn wherever they're gonna learn. And you know we have virtual only. We have in person on campus. You have um, in person um, in the company formal training. You have more hands on training. Um, and then you type your answer in if there's anything else that you need. Um, there should be another thing there. I think it's more of a hybrid. But let us know kind of what you what your uh, how you see that um, going forward because I think that's indicative of of where this industry is going. I know we talked about different formats of teaching, different formats of learning. I know as myself, you kind of get comfortable. You know, you kind of get comfortable doing something a certain way. You kind of get in a routine. You know, I was excited when my kids went back to school, but then it screwed up my whole routine. So here's me like, oh, great, now I gotta go to the bus stop and you know, 
talk to neighbors and, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. But it's like you kind of get comfortable and have to start something new. So, you know, Terry, from where you sit, how do you see um, it, these employees learning in the next five, 10 years? Well, you, you know, it's interesting. Um, I wanted to inject one more, one other thing, but I, I think sure. it's it's related. You know, one of the things that we have seen, uh, you know, become much more of a topic of conversation here at OSU has been uh, students who are really interested in more specialized learning. And so I see the food logistics behind you, Marina. You know, this idea that we have students that are coming to our supply chain programming and majoring in logistics or minoring in logistics, but they're also doing a collateral in uh, like agriculture, or we have students who are focused on aviation. We even have students that are doing things, for example, like, you know, majoring in the arts and humanities. Um, I had a, a wonderful former student who was uh, uh, studying music and studying logistics. And, and, and we talked a lot about how um, his insights relative to music could be used to uh, help incent uh, facility workers to, you know, in terms of pace and movement. And we talked about the relationship between, you know, throughput, speed uh, of operations and how music uh, in the in the facility or music that's being played can help to facilitate the movement of product. And so I do believe that we're seeing a very interesting uh, emergence of, uh, even to the law degree uh, comment that was made before, students that are approaching supply chain and logistics, not with this kind of open to work anywhere and in any industry. But I think we're seeing students who are now coming to the business school interested in studying supply chain logistics and fashion because they're interested in working in retail and apparel or studying agriculture and food science because they want to work in food logistics. So we're seeing a really interesting emergence of students who have particular industries and particular segments in mind. And that folds into how they're going about studying supply chain, where they're looking at supply chain through a particular lens and they're really, you know, learning the, the the issues that are prevalent and salient to those particular industries where they're most interested. So I, that, that's been a very interesting emergence here that we're starting to see students who are really looking to extract skills and know-how, not, you know, just major in supply chain, but major in supply chain for a particular industry and for a particular purpose. Um, and I think it does affect how they go about learning because, again, some of our students are much more, you know, uh, uh, visual, uh, you know, need much more of that face-to-face -face contact because of the way that they've been educated and how they think about things because of their collateral areas and what they're looking to combine this logistics and supply chain management education with. Terry, to that point, I think we need to be cognizant as educators. Students have different learning styles. You said you hit it on the yeah. head. Some of them are visual. Some mm -hmm. of them are audio. Some of them really want that face-to-face -face interaction. I mean, you look at all the lawsuits during the pandemic about people wanting tuition refunds because they weren't getting as much. Well, yeah. that, I mean, that, that was about half. The other half loved it, yeah. right? I could learn from yeah. anywhere. I could go back and listen to your lecture three times if I need to. So on the education front, we need to think through both what's the best way to deliver certain types of contact content, to Eva's point, but we also need to be aware of different types of students and different learning experiences. That's why I think the omni-channel is so important, not to force them mm -hmm. to do these different mediums, but to give that customer the choice to choose from different mediums that fits them the best. 
I think the, 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 the talent Sorry. will be more effective. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say the talent will be more effective. I think what we're going to see ultimately from all of this, to Rodney's point, is that I think the future supply chain talent is probably going to be much more knowledgeable maybe than some of us who had to learn one particular mm -hmm. way because it may not have necessarily yeah. catered to our learning, learning styles. I think this omni approach, what we're going to see is an emergence of talent that um, is, is they, they have learned in, uh, in ways that align with their learning styles and therefore learning effectiveness and the assurance of learning, I think is gonna be much higher for this wave of upcoming supply chain talent. Yeah. yeah, I think that one thing that we're seeing within higher education is this universal design for learning approach where where you, you have different modalities for the same content, but to 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 everyone's point, I think the the ultimate goal is to have, just like we have a general business degree with a specialization in project management, leadership, and things like that, we I think we need a general supply chain major with a specialization in emerging technology, sustainability, transportation and logistics. And or you can do like a like a like like I think what you are talking about this on the channel like a, a la carte, like create your own. I'm not sure how it looks from an accreditation perspective or approval perspective, but that would be that would be the, I think like the utopia of supply chain education. So the results are very interesting because the results show that they don't see employees learning in campus, in person, but they mm -hmm. do see them learning hands-on in the workforce, in person. Mm -hmm. So I think that is very interesting to kind of step back and like really think about that. You know, you can learn from anywhere, but when you're in the supply chain, sometimes you almost have to be forced. I mean, you can't, it's really hard to learn how to drive a car without actually driving a car. I would imagine same would be for driving a truck. Um, so, you know, that's kind of interesting to me, I guess. Are, are any of you surprised by any of these results? I'm not. No, I think it's I, I think it's back to that focus on experiential learning that is really important within supply chain. Um, you know, to Justin's point, I think most of our major programs we are very heavily connected with the industry. We have the industry infused uh, industry connections infused in our programming. We're providing projects for our students to learn and get hands-on experience as they're migrating through our programs. They're going off to do the internships. Um, we've even you know uh, started a relationship with a major corporation where we're using our campus as a logistics lab. So we're looking at our on-campus stores, our on-campus uh, soda machines, and just the different areas where students shop on campus and really looking at our entire Ohio State University campus as a logistics network. And so, you know, that hands-on experience is just going to be so vital. And it's just a part of, of how we have, uh, how we educate students generally within supply chain. Perfect. I think that goes right into, it's a good segue to talk about the future of work, um, because this is kind of at the end of the day why we're doing all of this. We're, we're trying to get these, these young talent educated so that when they enter the supply chain profession, they're, they, they, they kind of know what they're up against. They can get a job, they can help a company grow and sustain. And I think that that's important to understand. I think we're gonna dive just for the time, sake of timing, dive right into the poll question because we do have some questions coming in in the Q&A from our wonderful audience. And I wanna make sure we can address uh, some of those as we can. So this, this 
question I love. This was kind of a collective question from all of us in our pre-call, and it's like one of my favorite questions that we ask people. But what are some of the main things companies should be focusing on in order to attract that new talent? Keep in mind, there's a generational divide that's going on between you know the younger generation coming in and viewing things a certain way versus the older generation who that's just how it's been done. You know, we talked about diversity and inclusion, which is huge. You know, there are a lot of environmental, social, and corporate governments. There are a lot of these younger, these younger students who buy from companies who believe in the same things they do, that support the same things they do, that, you know, who, who carry on the same initiatives. Um, so I think that's important to understand this flexible work-life balance. I know you, you all touched on that a little bit earlier, the flexibility that a hybrid learning section, you know, provides. Um, providing the right training and upskilling, and this is important. Do these companies provide you with the right tools and resources to do your job? Do they provide you with the right training to, so that you can continue growing throughout the company? Because that's from when this pandemic hit, that was something that we talked to a lot of companies about was this upskilling, taking your veterans that have been there for many years and retraining them so they understand how to pivot too and can stay with you and help you grow your company. Um, all of the above, and then of course other, because I'm sure there's some that we're forgetting and we always like to know. So if you have other ideas or other things to add, please go into the Q&A box and, um, and add you know, what you think. So you know, when we talk about this generational difference, I mean, from where you all sit, between the current workforce and um, you know, the Generation Zs, how do you see this changing? How do you see the generational differences changing how the future of work in supply chain operates? I'll jump in to start. It's very different. When I came along, I wanted to know how much you were going to pay me, what my job title was, mm -hmm. and maybe what location you were going to put me in. And that was it. And those three things are still important to these students. But the answer to that poll question is all of the above. They are more socially and environmentally aware than anybody before. There are students that'll tell me, I will not go work for companies in certain industries because they don't take care of the environment, or I will not work at this company because of its social record. Um, the flexible work-life balance, right? They're willing to work hard. They're just willing to work hard differently. Um, they, they like to have that flexibility to work hard when they want to work hard, not necessarily nine to five, a scheduled, rigid schedule. Um, the upskilling and training, I think, is huge. If you want to attract really good students, I think beyond the internships is where you can lock them down. But the next thing is have some type of rotational development program. Give them a diverse range of experiences over their first two years working with you, where you round them out and train them in different areas and give them a little bit of a taste of everything, where they figure out what they're good at and not good at and what they like and don't like. They love those type of programs because it gives them choices and flexibility. That would be the thing I would say with this generation more so than ever before is they want choices and flexibility and different options more so than my generation was. I just wanted to get on with a good company, put my head down and bang it out. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I also remember when I joined, it was like, how many vacation days do I get? You know, <laughs> and now it's, you know, that's, it's important, but it's not as important. Eva, were you going to say something? And then I'm going to jump to the results so we can get to the Q&A. Yes. 
Sure. So I, I also fully agree with, with uh, your comments. Um, regarding upskilling, I see two things. For, from the company's perspective, as if they are investing in upskilling their employees as a way to retain talent. And I think this is one of the effects they are going to gain here, one of the benefits. And also, um, we are observing more and more companies coming to MIT and say, hey, we need to really upskill our professionals in supply chain because of the new technologies, because of the new trends, because of the new skills we need to provide to them. Um, definitely, they are investing on that. Um, and I think their employees are perceiving this as a way of, hey, this company believes in me. They want me to grow in the company as a way to promote internally and this kind of additional benefits that definitely they are gaining on that. We recently had an experience with Walmart and we are providing an online custom course to them. And one of the value things we discover providing that more than the they increase their knowledge in supply chain, of course. But more than that was the networking and the feeling of being part of a community and a cohort, develop internal networking through the company. And all of these things, at the end of the day, are helping the company and the employees to grow and to learn more about how to take advantage of, of their peers. So was a good discovery for us, <laughs> discovery for us. <laughs> Yes, I totally agree. And I just published the results, which while you were talking, because I, uh, you kind of touched on it too. And here we do have a lot of all of the above, um, which is great. But we have 26% for a flexible work-life balance over anything else. And I think that that is really, that goes back to, you know, we broke this down into three different sections of, of workforce development. And it kind of goes back to all the first two sections too, is about flexibility overall. You know, this omni-student, this omni-learning, this, this being all things to all people, to all students, um, to all companies. And I think that that's kind of where we're at with this. And I think that that's so interesting because it's even higher than some of the other things that I thought were truly going to be the winners of this. But at least all of the above made it. <laughs> so... Um, and, and in many ways, in many ways, Marina, that you know, kind of flexible work-life uh, situation is really one of those areas where you have the ability to maybe hit on some of the other things if you're offering that flexible flexible work yeah. environment. I mean, we, the studies have shown that offering work environment flexibility definitely contributes to more diversity, particularly as it relates to gender diversity. So there are some other areas or some other you know, kind of those work uh, work environment. Uh, 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 issues that can actually be all uh, be enhanced by offering that flexible work environment, particularly diversity, particularly things like you know flexibility to be able to learn and to 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 rotate all the things that Rodney talked about. I think you know a lot of those things really stem from an environment where things are not as rigid and more flexible. So it is one of those kind of foundational work environment fundamentals, if you will. I love it. So we are going to switch to the Q&As because we have a lot of questions coming in from the audience. And so I'm going to apologize in advance to our audience if we don't get to all of your questions because we do have a good amount and we only have like 10 minutes. So um, I'm just going to kind of go through with what I think is a good start. Um, okay, so this is an open-ended one, so whoever wants it, what is your advice to the best areas for companies to offer supply chain virtual internships? 
I would say I would start off by saying anything that has to do with 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 te technology, you know, ERP applications, that would be that would be a good start because because that's where the future is going. You know, those people that are going to be dealing with these enterprise applications, they're going to be remote. You know, and now you're going to get a bigger pool of 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 students and professionals that you can choose from. So I think that that would be that, in my opinion, that would be a good place to start. But I'm biased because that's my that's my area. <laughs> But I would say anything in the analytical realm, not analytics, not just yeah, yeah. Any, anything analytics, anything what we would consider a typical white collar type work environment, an office environment that lends itself to virtual much better than you can't virtually pitch boxes in a DC or unload trucks, right? Somebody has to be there physically touching, doing that. I, I think those other types of roles do lend themselves to virtual internships a little bit better. Yeah, so, definitely. Anything related to data yeah, analytics, planning, this part, of course. And there are other things that definitely need to happen in person. So, yeah, great point. And then, oh, hold on, where did it go? Okay. Um, hold on. Sorry, they just keep I'm trying to keep up. I apologize. <laughs> Here's a good one. I, I like, what is the emerging skill set demand within supply chain manufacturing? I, I would say that, you know, really, you know, focus on, um, you know, the, the skill that I, I think is probably most important, particularly in that space, is going to be, you know, the skills associated with what we see with a lot of the, uh, you know, the the uh, the green belt, black, black belt training, the, really the focus on problem solving, the, the focus on operational excellence, and the, the emphasis on, you know, how to uh, identify opportunities for process efficiencies and really focus on streamlined processes. So, you know, that's, that's what I see as the, the fundamental skill that really does uh, provide for, you know, really sharp talent are those who have the ability to observe processes and to see areas within those processes where there are uh, some opportunities for improvement. Um, and also to Justin's point, I think another skill is just the, uh, the, the embracing of technology and understanding where technology can be most effectively utilized to further, uh, uh, you know, make those processes more uh, excellent operational and more streamlined and more efficient. Can I add a different perspective to that, Terry? I think sure. that's if you're designing it and improving yeah. the processes. There's going to be a lot of people yeah. working in a manufacturing environment. They're going to be managing hourly employees. So that, that's a totally yeah. different skill set. That, that's the more relational piece. That's the high emotional quotient. So depending on the nature of the question, I don't know which they were asking, but I could see either one of those skill sets being incredibly valuable. And the best yeah, answer would be both, right? Yeah, and yeah. both, if we're right. Yeah. And I wanted to add to both points, because both are great points, also the <clears throat> skill to, to manage changes and rapid changes, mm -hmm. because definitely this environment that is changing a lot, they are exposed to new technologies. So the skill to manage those changes is something that definitely we are seeing growing um, with our companies. Yeah. Okay, I think we have time for one more question. Um, so for those who still, to, to our audience who still have questions, you can still submit them um, because our, our lovely esteemed supply chain professionals may or may not follow up with you after, but still go ahead and send them in just in case. 
Um, here's an interesting one. You know, we talk about how you can learn from anywhere and the supply chain is global, et cetera, et cetera. For someone looking at an international job, um, what would be a great area of supply chain to focus on? I would say global supply chains. There is an area that definitely deal with these global supply chains when you need to deal with global suppliers and global manufacturers and global retailers. So there is a, definitely an, an area that that uh, focus on, on these global uh, global issues. And supply chain by default are complex uh, systems, interconnected systems, but they are also global systems. So I would say that there is a specific field that is global supply chains. Yeah. I, would also I was fortunate in my working career. Oh, go ahead, Terry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rob. No, go ahead, Rob. I, I was just going to say, in my working career, I was fortunate. I worked with suppliers around the world just by being a buyer. If, if you're sourcing, you're sourcing from all over the world, so you automatically get exposure to the whole range of different countries and cultures and different types of companies. Yeah, and I guess tangentially related to that, I was going to mention transportation, which was my background. And again, working with our buyers who were sourcing from around the world, and then I was responsible for partnering with carriers in order to ensure that we were, you know, uh, getting products to where they needed to be. And that inevitably involved a lot of international engagement, particularly as we were sourcing from around the world and moving product around the world. So I think by de by definition, we're seeing just global infusion in all of supply chain. But there are some areas that I think you do have a lot more of a likelihood to be on that global front line um, and, you know, procurement, you know, transportation, global supply chain network design, those things really do put you on that global front line. Perfect. Well, Justin, Rod, Eva, Terry, immense thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or hit the thumbs up button and don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>